Welcome to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marian Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. It's been said out there that if there's no change, there's no Christ. I would say that is absolutely true. This week we're going to look at a story of, I think, the greatest conversion ever in the history of mankind, Saul of Tarsus, when he was saved on Damascus Road. If you've ever thought, man, I just don't think that old boy or that old girl could ever come to faith in Jesus, you need to listen. Anybody can come to faith in Jesus if they'll be converted. God bless you guys. Thanks for the listen. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, I believe the greatest conversion story in all of Scripture. I believe I can back that up with this reason, because the Holy Spirit made sure it was told many times. This is the first time that we read about it. We read about it two more times in Acts and one other time in Acts, so two and a half times where he, two times he fully gives his testimony, and a third time he sort of gives it halfway. But then throughout other parts of Scripture, if you'll grab what our little devotional out there that Mona wrote, she has a few other places where he talks about it as well. And here's what Kim said that's true. Everybody has a testimony. See, we think the only people that got a testimony are the ones that can say, like Saul of Tarsus, well, I was this dude, I was a murderer or a drunk or an adulterer or this or that. And then I met Jesus and then I've been changed. Well, as one of my mentors said, but you weren't Jesus either. Because at the foot of the cross, nobody measures up. Nobody. So let's stand the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 9. We're going to start reading at verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise, enter the city, you'll be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Hey, something real quick. Notice he didn't say a believer. It said a disciple. That should be what your qualifier is, a disciple of Jesus, not just a believer of Jesus. A disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. He's seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, you sure about that? Meadows loose translation right there. Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And, he, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. 
For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed, entered the house, laying his hand on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me to you so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight, arose, then was baptized. Salvation comes first. Not baptism. Salvation. Baptism doesn't take you to heaven. Salvation takes you to heaven. Hello. Y'all all right? We get it backwards a lot of times. And taking food, he was strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And he has not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Father, let your word speak, and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Man, this has really been on my heart here lately about our church and about giving this thing about our testimony. Because I believe there's a powerful witness that we could be in this area, in this community, in this place. If we would all, each and every one, I'm talking from the littlest that knows Jesus to the most eldest, that we would all share our testimony more. We would make it a habit to do that. And so, listen, I'm going to finish, as I'm telling you now, I'm not going to finish everything today. I want to, I'm, I'm begging you to come back tonight. We're going to talk more about your testimony and about this disciple, Ananias, and about what he did and how impactful that was. So there's my plea to you to come back tonight. We've got glow kids for you downstairs, so I just took care of your children. We've got crew. I just took care of your youth. And we have here, I just took care of you. So come back tonight. Three things, and I, this is literally your testimony again. The parts of Kim, if you heard, here was here is what it was. My life before Christ, I was a good girl. I met Jesus at the age of 12 because a pastor loved me enough to talk to me. And since then, though I fall many times, God never leaves me. That's her testimony in a nutshell. We're going to see that with Saul. First off, let's see his life prior to Christ. Because see, some of you would say this. Preacher Hank, you know that old boy right there? You see that old boy right there? That old girl right there? There's no way they'll ever come to Jesus. Really? I mean, you talk about putting God in a box. Are you all right? You really want to talk about putting a hold on God's power. Look at this old boy, Saul. But Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. You know what Saul was? Dude was a murderer. He was a killer of Christians. He couldn't stand them. And some of you go, well, all right, so I'm already, number one, let me check that off my list. I'm already better than old Saul, man. I'm not a murderer. Uh, let's take a spiritual time out. I do believe it was Jesus that spoke the words that if you hate someone, you have murder in your heart. Yeah, so that's a catch-22, isn't it? So let me just say this. I would dare say everybody in this building has hated somebody at one point. 
At some point, for maybe just for a split second, and that's all it takes, you've had hatred, rage at somebody else. And that makes you a murderer as well. But let me tell you something I think that's worse than that. He was religious. I know some of you are going, isn't that a good thing? No! Religion doesn't take you to heaven. Jesus, oh what a beautiful name. Oh what a powerful name. It's the name of Jesus, Acts chapter 4 verse 12. There's none other name given under heaven by which one can be saved except the name Jesus. Your religion won't take you anywhere but to hell. It's not about religion. Religion is something man-made. <coughs> Some of you are probably going, wait a minute, what do we have then? We have a faith. A faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came, who died, and rose again on the third day, defeating death, hell, and the grave. We have a faith. We don't have religion. But we all have a past, don't we? Just like Saul of Tarsus. Let me tell you a little bit more about his religion. Let me tell you a little bit more about who this guy was. Flip over to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Paul writing to this church. We'll start at verse 2. Not verse 4, but verse 2. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God in glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. For though I myself have reason to have confidence in the flesh also, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I the more. Here's his religious background. Here is what he would have said back in the day if he went to a church. And here's, as they say, bona fides. Here's what you could count on. Notice what he says. Number one, circumcised on the eighth day. Following the law of Moses, did right. My parents did it. Then he says, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Means his mama and his daddy, both. He wasn't halfway this, he was fully Jewish. He was a full Hebrew. A tribe of Benjamin. Because Benjamin was the first tribe to give a king, Saul. Not this Saul, but Saul from there. They could count that as they were the first ones to have a king come from their people. Uh, Hebrew of Hebrews, there you go. As to the law, a Pharisee. Translated, brother, he knew it. Brother, he had it. He knew his religious stuff. He knew all those laws of Moses. He knew all the other laws they had made. He would walk around. He would not do anything. He was perfect to the law. Then he goes on. As to zeal, I went a step further than just a Pharisee. I was a persecutor. See, I took the law to mean that everybody should follow it. And when I hear about these people that were Christians of the way, know they were breaking the law of God, and I was out to make sure they paid the price. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. He said, I did it all. I had it. You could not catch me on any little point. I was very religious. You know people like that? They put more stock in the things that they do than the name that they believe in. Well, preacher, I pray every day. What? You should. Preacher, I tithe. Well, by golly, you should. But I didn't ask you about that. 
Go back to last week. Have you ever been born again? Has there ever been a time in your life when Jesus moved and you believed? All those other things, they're from salvation, not for salvation. I'm telling you, some of you in here need to check your hearts. I have to check mine. Because I want to tell you one more time, the easiest place to go to hell was in a padded pew in a Baptist church. Thinking that you do it because of your attendance, your membership of a church, your praying, and your giving. But you never had a conversion with Jesus. I didn't say conversation, I said a conversion. A conversion means a changed life. I'm going to tell you about more about that in just a minute. Look, you can go to, go to Acts 22 real quick. <clears throat> go back to Acts chapter 22. Here's one of those other places where he's sort of giving his, his testimony. And starting at verse 3, he says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city. Educated Here's, here's what I want to see. Educated at the feet of Gamaliel the great Pharisee, the great teacher of the law of that time. He said, listen, I, am, I have been with the best of the best of the best. I had it as far as religion went. You know what I found about people? Religion makes you mean. It does. Because you're always trying to prove something. You're always trying to make sure you got it right. You're always thinking you're better than somebody else. Faith. See, some of you think I'm going to say faith makes you happy. No. Happiness is worth nothing in the eyes of God. Faith gives you joy. We don't sing I've got the happy, happy, happy down in my heart, do we? We sing I got the joy down deep in my heart. So that was his life. So, see, I'm just telling you, man, if there was a guy that you would have said never will come to Jesus... It would have been Saul of Tarsus. Let's go back to our story. Let's go back to the Bible. Not to our story. Let's go back to the Bible. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven showed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He was on his way to kill Christians. But notice what happened when he, had, when he powerfully met Jesus. He saw the light of Jesus. I think it's something to consider here that when God spoke to him, when Jesus spoke, and you're probably going, wait a minute, the man said it was Jesus, but you just said, God, yeah, he's the same person. When he speaks, notice what Saul responds with. Who are you, Lord? See, he understood that the voice that he heard was not some man's voice. He understood that the voice he heard was not just some other random voice. He knew he had heard the voice of God. Friends, I want to say, say this to you very clearly. When the voice of God speaks to you and draws you, you will know it's Him. Who are you, Lord? I wonder what happened in that moment when Jesus responded. And he hears back, I am Jesus. You have to believe somewhere deep inside him, he said, excuse me, what? You see, we killed you just a while back. 
I saw you dead. Oh, I hear rumors of your little resurrection. I didn't believe none of them. You were dead. But I hear you speaking. So this is real? In that moment, his world was rocked. Here's what I wrote down. I said, in the moment, he saw the light of the truth about Jesus, and he understood that it meant that he was wrong about religion. He understood that it was not about religion, but about a relationship like Kim even spoke about. He understood that he held a PhD in Judaism, but that PhD in Judaism didn't mean anything because he really knew nothing. Although he had persecuted, thinking he was doing, he came to understand in that moment, I'm on the wrong side. If this man who I just called Lord, and the word Lord there, by the way, the word Lord means curios, which means supreme authority. So the supreme authority who is God, I just called Him Lord. If you say that that is you, Jesus, consider my world just rocked. Now, you may say, listen, so today I don't really know of anybody who Jesus has come to this way. I'm not saying He can't. But let me tell you how he does come a lot of times. Flip over to 2 Peter. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Tell you what will happen today most of the time. Through the preached word or something of that effect. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Listen, as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Miss Connie, I didn't say nothing to you the other day. Miss Connie was here Friday and she said, Hey, if you have a minute, I need something. I said, What you need? I need you to help me move some stuff. And so I helped her and she said, Do you have another minute? Can we grab this other thing? But we got to go down into the unfinished basement over there that has no light. And so we're in there, and let's just be honest, it was pitch black. She said, you got your phone on you? Let me just say this, I don't know how we ever lived without a phone. Y'all all right? I mean, this phone will do everything but cook your breakfast. But it'll tell you how to do that. So I said, yes, ma'am. I said, let's just do this right here. Let me just hit that little button. Y'all see the light on, don't you? So we were in the darkness, but as soon as that hit that button, guess what happened? We could see. Miss Connie could see that somebody had stole one of her trees. She was about to say words that we're not supposed to say as believers. I'm kidding. Miss Connie would not do that. But she did look at me and say, you know what happened to my trees? She started accusing me. Do you know what happened to my trees? How would I know? So what? I'm just trying to be nice and said, well, I don't know, but I'll go look. Luckily, I found it, and I didn't get DDT'd that day. But Miss Connie, as we were down there, here's what I thought about what I was preaching. The light of the Word breaks into the darkness of your heart. You're not going to come just to come. It's not until you see, and here's what happens. See, we could go to Corinthians, and it says there's a veil that is over your face. But what happens is when God moves, that veil is up and it's still darkness. But as Peter writes right here, 
<clears throat> he says it is as a lamp shining in a dark place. And so that little bitty lamp shines in the darkness of your heart. By the way, don't trust your heart, okay? The Bible says it is deceitful. It is desperately wicked. Who can even know it? So as that truth of the light of Jesus Christ from His Word, remember, there's none other name given under heaven by which one can be saved except the name of Jesus. So when the truth of Jesus Christ, who by the way said He is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through Me. So when the light of His Word begins to shine in your heart. It just comes through just a little bit. And then the next thing you know, it's as if the day is dawning. And then the next thing you know, the morning star has risen. And the next thing you know, the darkness of your heart has been replaced with the light of the truth of Jesus. And you come to see yourself as a flea-ridden sinner. I'm sorry to those that would think you're pretty good. Let me tell you what Scripture says. There's none good, no, not one. You're not good. I got confronted with a guy the other this week, and he told me this, Preacher, I'm sick and tired of hearing you say that I'm not good. I'm a good dude. I said, Brother, I didn't say you weren't good. Jesus said you weren't good. And that's a much bigger problem. What do you mean? Jesus said I want good. So I said, let's open our Bibles. I took him to Romans chapter 3. There's none good. No, not one. And so, you know, I was feeling right spunky that day. And so as I ha- it's underlined in my Bible, so I read that to him, and I turned and I did that, and I said, read it for yourself, buddy. Then I apologized. And he says, I don't understand, man. I've never, listen, I've never killed anybody. I pay my taxes. I've never done anything like that. How am I not good? I said, because you're comparing yourself to me or other people. The comparison is to be made to Jesus. And He's perfect and holy. You're not. I wish I could tell you that old boy gave his life to Jesus right there. Wouldn't that be a great truth? But he didn't. But he did say, I'll talk to you more about it. So just pray for that old boy. Jesus hit that little bit of crack. But it's not only just the light of Jesus. Paul didn't just see the light of Jesus in that moment. Paul saw the love of Jesus in that moment. Preacher, what do you mean? I have to think Paul would have never thought Jesus was going to come to him. Being the murderer that he was, being the religious dude that he was, being this whatever he was, man, killer. But I believe that's why in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, he said these words. But God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. You guys ever fish? I've used it before, but it's such a good one. Here's what a lot of people think. Well, when I get my life right, preacher, I'll come to Jesus. Well, you better make sure you have some um, fireproof clothing because you're going to go to hell. Just flat truth. Because you're never going to get your life right. If you can get your life right, Jesus didn't need to come and die for your sins. It's only when you understand that you can't get it. Here's the fishing thing. Anybody in here ever fished before? Most people have at least been fishing one time, okay? You guys ever seen it? Well, listen, I'm going to be fishing with Rodney Riddle in a few weeks, man. We're going to go catch some crappie. I'm going to catch that crappie on one of my rods. I promise you I'm going to catch one. 
And when I catch it, I'm going to give that rod to Rodney. I'm going to say, you hold on right here, buddy. i got to go clean that sucker. I'm going to dive off the boat. I'm going to grab hold to the line, and I'm going down to where that fish is, and I'm going to have my little scaler with me. And, buddy, I don't care how much that fish is going. I'm going to be going. And then I'm going to swim back up top, and I'm going to go. I'm going to say, throw me the knife. And he goes, throw me the knife. And I'm going. I'm back under I go, man. And then I'm going to start filleting that sucker up just like that. That's what you're saying when you say if I clean my life up. How ridiculous is it? But God demonstrated His love toward us in that. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. you got to get in the boat first. And by the way, by the way, and then you say, well, I don't, I, I'll never know all the Bible. By the way, I'll never be able to do it. I don't know all the Bible. Y'all bless my soul. Y'all will text me, man, and you'll be like, hey, preacher, um, I was reading this. I was in Leviticus chapter 27, and when it talks about this, man, what does that mean? And so I won't text back for about an hour or two, and then I get this. Hello? <laughs> well, I don't even know what verse Leviticus 27, 15. Somebody will look that up, and it'll probably say, and he was hamstrung by the neck. Or something, I don't know what it says. I'm just using that illustration. I'm like, I got to go study to figure that point out too, man. You just come to Jesus, leave the results to Him. He'll clean you up. And that love of Jesus, and I love this part. I, this is possibly the greatest example of being a disciple of Jesus. So he calls Ananias, and when Ananias gets there, he doesn't say anything mean like a good Baptist would have. Not so big now, are you, Saul? Old blindy boy. Now, what does he say? Brother Saul. Brother Saul. You know how he could say that? Because he understood what Jesus had said to him. Maggie, can, can, I, can I talk a little bit about you last week? You guys know Maggie came to the Lord last week, sat right there, she cried with me, and I cried. But let me tell you, she stood right here, and she told me over there, she said, listen, I really want Jesus, but I need somebody to love me and walk with me, and I love this part, and not judge me. I said, don't you worry, honey. Now, I want to commend this church. I rip on y'all a lot. Call y'all a bunch of backsliding sinners and all that stuff. Let me give you some pats on the back. I've never seen love in this church like I did last Sunday when all I said was she needs somebody to walk with her. Have you been getting text messages this week? Huh? Hello. And several women walk down front and just put their arm around her. That's church. That's what we're to be. And if we would have more of that and less of that backbiting and gossip talk and all that, I don't like this about the service, I don't like, and just love each other. I'm straight telling you, this place is going to explode. When folk, I'm going to give it to Bruce, find out that you care, they will come. If they quit texting you and walking with you, you let me know. And then I'll rip them. <laughs> See, John 3.16 is still in the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave. 
And then he faithfully listened to Jesus. He told Ananias, he said, listen. Well, first off, in verse 6, he says, you rise and go into the city and I'll tell you what you to do. And that's where he did. Then he tells Ananias what he's going to have to show him. And then in verse 20, he begins to proclaim it. How many of us don't think we know enough to start talking about Jesus? Maggie, you're the newest believer in here. I'm going to tell you something, sister. All you tell them is what happened to you. That's all you do. See, they can't tell you that's wrong. If you're a new believer and you need to share, you ought to be sharing your testimony, number one. People need to see your changed life, but when you're sharing and when you feel the need to talk about Jesus, don't try to get out on no limb and start being all theological. You don't know enough. Tell them what happened to you. That's the greatest testimony you could have. Tell them what happened to you. Paul, I'm going to get into that in just one second, about how he could start preaching and teaching. See, Paul had been prepared already didn't even know it. Do you listen to what God says? Have you ever seen the light of His Word, felt the love of His heart, and listened to the words that He tells you? That's how you powerfully meet Him. And then third, His life post-meeting Christ. First off, he was gifted. Paul was gifted. And so are you, by the way. Some of you probably go, yeah, but I'm not Paul or Saul. Neither am I. But he was gifted by the Holy Spirit. He was gifted even before he knew it. See, all that study in the PhD of Judaism, all that studying at the feet of Gamaliel, God was preparing him for the day that he moved in his life. And Paul would say, yes, in his foreknowledge, come on now, in his foreknowledge, he knew what Paul would be. Saul. And so he got him all. Can I give you a personal testimony real quick of me? I'm out in the far country. I go off to Farham College to play baseball. And by the way, that's the reason I went to Farham College to play baseball. I was going to be a business major. How dumb was I? I hate math. Going to be a business major. When you're young, you're dumb. I don't care who you are. But listen, the whole baseball team basically was history teachers. Well, okay, I'm going to hang out with you guys, and I'm going to be a history major now too. So then I get asked, what are you going to do with that degree when you graduate? I don't know. You ought to go teach. If I teach, still be in sports, I'll do it, although I hated school. Got a master's of education. You know what God was doing? He didn't want me to teach for so long. He learned me how to get my point across. He taught me how to teach, which taught me how to preach, even when I was in the far country. See, some of you guys go, I love the fact that you say it where I can understand it, because that's what you have to do as a teacher is say it where people can understand it. And that's all I want to do with you. So I say it like I understand it. And apparently y'all were at the same mental level than I am. Except for you, Daniel. You are way too smart, bro. <laughs> Daniel has to climb down that mental tree to get with me. But you are gifted. You have a gift. Your gift may, listen, your gift may not be 
preaching and teaching. Your gift may just be mercy. Your gift may be that when somebody comes here, you come and love on them. You can say, brother or sister, such and such. Man, I'm so glad you're in the family. Do not ever discount what that means to a new believer. But he wasn't just gifted, he was guided. He said, I'm going to show him what he has to do for my name's sake. He was guided by the I think one of the greatest ones is, listen, go to Acts 16, and I'll be finishing up here in just one second. I'm trying to stop, I promise. In verse 6 of Acts 16, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. See, they didn't speak unless they, God told them to. And when they come back to Mysia, they attempt to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by, they went down to Troas, and a vision to, appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go. He listened and was guided by the Word. Once you're a believer, you ought to be guided by Him, and not Mama, not Daddy, by the Spirit. And then lastly, He went. He was going. He followed the Great Commission of Matthew 28, and Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He went. I'll tell you where He went. Let me give you the last thing, then I'm pretty much done. Acts 26. Another place where He's recounting His testimony you get the idea that he, he gave his testimony a lot. Maybe that's the reason I'm so jacked up about our testimonies here. Therefore, this is verse 19, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first. This, this, listen, you'll hear Acts 1-8 in this. But I declared first in Damascus. That's where he was. Then in Jerusalem throughout all the region of Judea and to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. He was going. He didn't care if he was talking to regular people or to princes. He didn't care if he was talking to kinfolk or kings. Paul shared his testimony. Now I want to tell you this too. Some of us won't do that. Stay locked in. I'm finished with that part, but I want to make a few statements. Stay locked in. Most of us won't share our testimony because we don't have one. Preacher, what? We don't have one because there's never been a change. You're living like you did pre-meeting Jesus. If there's no change, there is no Christ. You cannot have an encounter with the God of all creation and stay the same. You cannot. People say all the time, well, I've been walking with Jesus for the last 20 years, but now I've understood I've come to some higher knowledge and I'm deconstructing in my faith. No, 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 no. You've been faking it for 20 years. When you meet Jesus, you never get over it. That's why Paul could say at the very end of his life, I fought the good fight. I've run my race. I've kept the faith. 
Thanks for listening to the Marian message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcva.com.